How are you guys doing today? Woo! Woo means good, I think. So, welcome to the Remnant Minds Todd. I'm the pastor here, one of the pastors here. If I haven't got a chance to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after. If you're watching virtually, come check us out sometime. Um, if you this is your first week or you haven't been here in a while, or you haven't watched us online, we're in the, not the middle anymore, we're at the end of a series. And the series is called Heresy. It's pretty bold, isn't it? Yeah get your attention. So heresy. Now listen, I want to define heresy for you for our purposes. Heresy has its own um, meaning throughout time and history, right? It's, it's teaching or beliefs that are contrary to, in our, for our purposes, our faith, right? They're heretical. Back in the day, heresy in the Middle Ages led to people getting burned at the stake and stuff. We're not suggesting that. We're not condoning that. That's not okay. But for our purposes today, we are talking about We've been talking about three serious teachings that in our, by our definition, is heresy, okay? And what does that, what do I mean by heresy? For our purposes, it means it's some teaching or belief that changes the nature of the gospel. It changes the meaning of the gospel, whether subtle or whether big, it changes the gospel. And for us, that's very serious. Now, despite, well, let me, let me do all my, uh, Prefacing. I said I wasn't going to do it anymore, but in case you're, this is your first week, I should preface some more. Listen, it's not my job to judge hearts or sincerity. You know, every pastor in the world, I don't care who they are, has said something flippantly that if you go, oh, that's what he believes, it's a poor teaching. We're not talking about that. We're talking about things that are um, systems of belief and faith that are taught over and over and over, okay? My job is not to ever judge someone's sincerity or heart. I don't know. I know that Jesus saves and faith in Jesus saves. And whether or not sometimes people are doing it intentionally for material gain, that's one thing. God will be their judge. Or whether it's because they are confused and maybe they've been taught poorly and they're living their life out of that and it's been rewarded, right? Sometimes we reward false teaching. Did you know that? And so if you judge a false teaching based on the success of your church congregation or whatever, you could be in trouble. So I'm not here to judge hearts or sincerity. If you know someone that has taught these things, I'm not speaking to them. I'm the type of guy, if you're new here, uh, you'll learn this over time. If I have a problem, I will talk to you, assuming I know you. We will talk it out because I, I believe in that. So I'm not here to judge hearts or sincerity. And please know this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I am never intending to attack a person. I'm not. Um, but I will criticize a teaching. And, and we see that in Scripture. And today in the church, that's not real popular, right? Unless it's hate-filled. <laughs> um, so that's not the goal here. And the goal, listen, you don't want to believe me, fine. But I challenge you to go read the Scripture yourself, to study God's Word and tell me uh, where you land with this. Because I'm confident that God's Word doesn't change and that these things will be found to be heresy for our purposes, okay? Make sense? Awesome, thank you. So, believe it or not, those of you who know me well will get this joke. <laughs> I don't like making people mad. I really don't. See, I don't know why you're laughing. I really, I don't like upsetting people. I'm very, I have a, I've been told, <laughs> I think what they really want to say, okay, I've been told that I have a face that's like aggressive looking. And when they're nice, they try to say, it's because of your features. You have big eyebrows. And, which I know, you don't need to tell me. Okay, I have big eyebrows. Let's get out in the open. Uh, you know, we gotta, you're big and, you know, your face is mean looking. And I really think what they're saying is you have a punchable face, right? That's what I have. 
But because of that, sometimes people think that I like, and I have a voice that I get really excited. I'm like a kid. I just have a deeper voice. I get super excited about things, and that can come off as aggressive. Sometimes I am aggressive, but I don't mean that most of the time. And uh, I don't like making people upset. So just because I will enter into conflict does not mean I like it. Does that make sense? So because of that, I'm human. And these last few weeks, steering team could tell you our leader, I, I'm, I don't like this. Because I know for a fact, though I am not ever attacking, I don't have a specific person in my mind. Today I kind of do. Um, a famous person. But typically I don't because I, don't, I know they'll still get upset at me, Right? And that makes me sad. So I don't like that. So as I wrestled with this last week, I knew I was going to do it. God told me to do it. It's our last week um, of this series. I still was wrestling with it. And this is what's interesting. God always comes through and speaks right when you need him. So I'm going through social media. If you know me, I really, truly do not like it. It makes me frustrated. I'm more miserable on it than I am not. Um, We use it. Uh, it, But as I'm flipping through, and I didn't, before you say anything, now, Facebook's creepy, isn't it? If you search things in Google, it will start advertising things for you on Facebook. You ever, who's noticed that? <sighs> Ain't that creepy? Uh, anyway, but I wasn't looking for this. I had not done any of my research or anything on my phone. True. So, as I come to this video, I start seeing this flashy video that immediately I knew, <sighs> okay, God, I'll do it. Right? I knew because I realized that this teaching that we're going to talk about today for our last one is so prevalent. And even though everyone in this room, probably most of you are going to go, yeah, that sounds wrong, it's, it caught my eye. And when you listen to him talk, you get sucked in and it seems exciting and, and everybody is healthy, wealthy, and they have bright smiles and it looks so good and it's flashy. Now what I saw was, and I'm not going to say names, okay? If you end up finding it yourself, find it yourself. But I truly am not trying to say names. But I came across this conference And it's literally called the Prayer Cloth Conference. Now, the irony is, if you've been here long enough, one of the first things I found as a Christian, I'll never forget this when I became a Christian, I saw an hour in the 574 zip code area, or it's not zip code, whatever, area code, Channel 46 was the place where they used to always have churchy TV. Okay, I don't know what it is in this area. You know what channel it was around here on normal TV? Oh, nice. All right. I thought it was just me. So channel 46, and there was a person selling a prayer cloth. And I remember going, that's weird. You want me to send you 10 bucks, and you're going to send me this prayer cloth that has powers. But I didn't know enough, so whatever. And I see that there's an entire, and it's literally called the Prayer Cloth Conference. Poor name. And they start talking. And guys, listen. I see a guy preaching and he's and he's he's there's a spanish hispanic guy preaching he's super charismatic and he speaks well and he's he's talking well and he has a really bright smile and then as he's doing it there's rows and rows of envelopes and inside these envelopes are prayer cloths i found out as i watched this short and he another pastor okay is on them laying on them and praying over them as he's preaching and saying oh this is coming for you and the anointing of God is coming and then he takes a handkerchief and he starts sweeping it over these envelopes and people are getting nuts and it's flashing it's music and it looks like what we do but way cooler and it's incredible and I'm getting goosebumps right now it looks so good and then I said but you start thinking about what they're actually saying and here's the thing we're going to send you these prayer cloths and God's going to give you what you want now I went to the website Don't put this up yet, guys. But I want to read what they say about it, okay? And then I'll stay with me. 
I'm going to skip through. Countless individuals have received their miracles over the years through the anointing resident in a prayer cloth. There's absolutely nothing special about a piece of cloth. It says this, but hold on. But it can, in all caps, be the catalyst that releases God's transforming touch into your life. The key to your physical, emotional miracle, financial healing, a loved one's salvation, deliverance from addiction, transformance in your relationships, supernatural blessing. Hey, it's not special, but here's all the special things about it. He uses the Apostle Paul and says he transferred his anointing by laying hands on the sick and they recovered. Paul also touched handkerchiefs and aprons and they brought, were brought to him and diseases left people and spirits went out. Hmm. In the same way a woman had it, and she came and touched Jesus' cloth. Stay with me. He gives the example. And she was healed of her bleeding. She was transformed. Not by the fabric of Jesus' garment, by the anointing in it. It took her from the mundane to the miraculous. See, I can sell it pretty good, can't I? Now, stay with me. Maybe you'll never make physical contact with pastor so-and-so. I'm not going to say his name. But you can still experience the anointing that God has placed on his life. Because the anointing is tangible and transferable. On the surface, you're like, oh, that sounds great. But if you, who is he? Who is he putting himself on the level of? Apostle Paul, maybe you can do that. By the way, the office of Apostle, capital A, does not exist anymore. Okay? Only the 12. But say you want to say that, fine. But then he connects it to Jesus himself. Do you see it? It's subtle, isn't it? I'm giving you a listing, a listing. Guess what? If I tell you that, guys, believe it or not, my authority then begins to be associated with the same authority in Jesus Christ. And you don't need to touch Jesus. Don't worry, because you can touch Pastor so-and-so. We put up the one with the little blurb. So then you go, and I was curious, because it says, receive your prayer cloth. Now, I cut out the appropriate things, okay? At first, Zeke caught me. He's like, Todd, you don't really want to put this whole thing up, dude. And I'm like, good point. So I cut it. And this is what it says on the website. I want the tangible, transferable anointing of God in my life. Please send me a prayer cloth from the, darn it, <laughs> put it up anyway. Blah, 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 that we believe will be infused with God's tangible anointing that can help his people be made whole. Here is my seed faith gift of. And then it lists amounts, 50, 100, 150, 200. So what's a seed gift? Well, a seed gift is you know, the only way I can really be made known, my faith in God, my faith in pastor so-and-so, my faith in the anointing, is I've I got to hit, you got to show it where your money is, right? Because the, the word says, says that, right? Where you're, where you're, what you do with your money is, is shows your heart. So just invest this, show your faith. Interestingly enough, you know, I'm not saying that the more you give, the more faith you have, but how much are you willing to sacrifice for your faith? How much is, are you willing to pay to go from the mundane to the miracle? See, I could be good at it, couldn't I? This is on the website. I have some more. These aren't going to be up there. I have another picture for a second. Um, there's another section that goes on and talks about further on, just as we see in Acts, I believe, prayer cloth saturated in the anointing. After our prayer services, saturated in the anointing, you'll be positioned for the manifestation of your miracle. I've seen God move in mighty ways. Here's some powerful testimonies. Request your cloth today. We believe God can experience this through the miracle working power in the areas. Now, this is all connected to these prayer cloths. Physical healing, deliverance from addiction, depression, demonic oppression, restoration, financial breakthrough, and more. You lost your job, you got no money. Maybe the prayer cloth is not the cause, but the catalyst. 
for you going from the mundane to the miracle. Your miracle awaits you. Reach out by faith through this simple point of contact. Who? Who are you contacting? A prayer cloth. You want a direct line to God? Right here, handkerchief. It's funny, but it's not. Because they're very wealthy people. Very, very wealthy people. Because you see, it only takes, how much money do you get if you get 100 people giving you 100 bucks? What if you get 10,000 giving you 100 bucks? What if you have the elderly lady battling depression because she's sitting in her home alone? Her husband's died, now she has cancer. She just needs that. She needs to go from the mundane to the miracle. She has her savings. I mean, she really believes God. Maybe I'll just, I'll give that 5,000 and God will give it back threefold. And if one of you are in here that's done that, I'm not mocking you. Because it does show your heart. I'm not mocking you. Because you're just wanting the miracle. That's not your fault. You got a pastor that looks healthy, wealthy, with a bright smile, and he's talking to my God, and he knows the Bible, and he's telling you. He's telling you, right, with the authority given to him by who? By Jesus, because he's already told you, I'm just like him. He just hasn't said it. He's telling you that if you do this, that God will come through for you if, if you do, God will. There's a lot of phrases for this type of theology. I had a lot of wrestling here. Uh, as Tim and I, we're usually the ones that kind of wrestle through. I'll, I'll bounce things off, let them know where I'm going, where God's leading me. You know, this is one of the things that I could, we could do five of these on just this topic, right? We could, realistically, to go through biblically to understand this, but that's silly and you're going to get bored, right? You don't need all the fancy terms. So I want to try to wrap it up in a way that at least gives you an overall picture. It's called Word of Faith. If some of you have come from that, I'm sorry, stick with me till the end. It's called Word of Faith. What does that mean? It comes to, you ever heard name it and claim it? If I name it, then I can claim it. If I say it by my word of faith, it exists. And if you listen real closely and study real closely, you'll sometimes hear them say things like, you can speak it into creation. <laughs> there was only one who said, let there be light, and there was light. We are made in the image of God. We are not God. And it's a subtle twist to go from, I'm serving him, to I am him. It's called the prosperity gospel many times. Why? Because if you sow your seed of faith, God will make you healthy, wealthy. I put the bright smile. But usually it's healthy, wealthy, wise, successful. Name it and claim it. Speak it into existence. There's a term in theology called little God theology. See, this is where, and I'm going to make someone mad, but this is truth. This is where, in case you ever thought, Mormons and, and Christians, if you're in the room, listen, we, we, here's where we diverge. They just won't tell you this. Mormons believe that there will be a day, okay, that, that you are essentially the same thing. You are a little God, some, and someday you will be that. That's reality. They may not talk about it, but that's the reality of it. But... I'm not picking on them because mainstream Christians, right, typically, no offense again, it came from the charismatic movement. I could go into the history of it. It's pretty fascinating. There, it came from a normal, normal guy, from a, an individual 
two letters in Munchie or Moo, I can't remember his name. Anyway, what happened is he came up with this and he had mixed it with mysticism. He actually took some uh, mysticism not related to Christianity. He mixed it with Christianity, twisted some things around, and then they used something. Now, they don't use this phrase very often but, anymore, but they called it the faith force. And see, what they'll say is, is that everything is bound by the laws of this faith force, even God. And so if you follow the laws of the faith force, speaking things into existence, word of faith, all, God has to follow the rules of the faith force. You think I'm kidding, look it up. They just don't talk about it. So what else happens in this? Well, one is it's name it or claim it. If you have faith, it'll happen. Well, what happens if it doesn't happen? What happens to the little old lady sitting at home alone battling cancer and she's still depressed? She gave her 5,000 up and she no longer has. Uh, she's still depressed. Her cancer now goes from stage three to stage four. Well, I'm sorry. You just didn't have enough faith. God didn't let you down. You did. Sorry. You didn't do enough. You didn't give enough. And so they give again. What happens then? So a lot of times it, with that, a couple things happen. Now, they won't necessarily tell you they're little gods. Another thing they'll do is the proponents of this. I'll give you a list of names. I thought about doing that because I do believe I have a biblical imperative when it's false teaching that we should warn against that. But I think there's enough warning here. You can come and ask me specifically, okay? And we'll talk about it if you're wondering about popular people. Again, we're talking about a teaching. But they'll also put themselves in the position of a high priest. They are the intermediary between you and God. You have to have my saturated anointing. Yours isn't enough. You need my anointing to get to God. You need to go through me. You want God's miracles? I'm the miracle giver. He's just the juice. I flip the switch. That's the heart of it, isn't it? Now, it doesn't sound that way because, again, you heard me read. I, to be fair, I read the part where it said it's not the cloth, but let me tell you why the cloth does all these things. You see how subtle it is? Even the word anointing. They'll talk about anointing a lot. Guys, you need to understand what anointing is. Anointing came from um, shepherding, actually. You'd put oil on lambs and things. Go check it out. It's pretty cool. You're not, you don't really care. But it, God then used it to say, to make things sacred, set apart, right? All those types of things. So anointing has it now become this sort of, in this teaching, a power, like the force, right? I'm a Jedi master. You're not. Here, I'll give you some. And so it's anointing, but let me tell you something. We're going to talk about it. Scripture tells us that you've all, if you're in Christ, you've already been anointed. It's already in you, sealed in you. Nobody can take it away. You don't need extra. That's like saying, yo, Holy Spirit, not enough in you. Here, let me give you a little of mine. What have we created? A high priest, a, a caste system again. We'll talk about it in a little bit. I'm skipping ahead. It's not my notes, but... The Bible tells us we only have one high priest now. Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father, Father intercedes for us. That is our high priest. We don't need another high priest. So what's the benefit to putting themselves in the position of the high priest? Because I just told you, you want to know the way to the miracle? Come to me. I'll tell you. Well, how do I know? Look at my teeth. <laughs> Look at my leather jacket. You want to fly jets like me? It changes the nature of the gospel, guys. I'm about to give you something. Ooh, this, is, this gave me goosebumps as I study. You ready? Are you ready? 
I don't think you're ready. You ready? Okay, good enough. You're kind of ready, Krista, but we'll try. I get it. It's scary. Listen, it changes the nature of the gospel. It's subtle, and it starts with a lie as old as time. The very first lie. Genesis chapter 3, verse, starting at verse 1. Now the serpent, who's the serpent? It wasn't just a snake. Satan. Now the serpent was the most cunning. This is, God has made everything. It's beautiful. It's good. And he said, you guys can rule it in my name. Just trust me. We agree. That's what it says. It was awesome. Everything was already good. Key. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? About the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. <laughs> hey, all you got to do is claim it into existence. Who are you becoming like? Whose position are you usurping? Just because you say God's name and you claim, oh, right, there's no power in the cloth. But here's what it does. Guys, it's the same lie. Do you see it? Now, do I think that everyone who believes in this practice it believes that they're, no, I don't believe that. But that's the heart of it. The heart of it is I am the one. So even if it's from a place of humility, right, if I give to God, he owes me. If I give God 100 bucks, he owes me 200 you owe me, God. I planted the seed. You see how it takes biblical stuff, illustrations, truths, and it mixes it real subtly. You guys with me? It puts the crux of this teaching, this heresy, why it subverts, twists Scripture. And then we'll get to, because now we're talking about teachers, but we'll get to the people that are taken advantage of by it, okay? And God's not happy with that either, but... The crux of it, the reason is because it puts the creation in the place of the creator. Right? It does. It makes us the authority and God serves us. We may call it faith, faith but what is it really? We flip the light switch. God is just the juice. He obeys me. No, I can't make lights come on, but I control when the light comes on. Either us puts the creation in the place of the creator, either ourselves or it puts these new high priests in the place of Jesus. It's such a dangerous, subtle thing. And it shows itself in various ways. Okay, you still with me? Awesome. I want to start with a series of verses that are going to tell you. I've already kind of explained the situation. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to read some truth, and then I'm going to tell you what it looks like. Because right now you're like, Todd, I, pff, I would see through that in a heartbeat. I'm going to put in some sentences for you that's going to show you how you probably don't always catch it. But first I want to talk in the, the book of Isaiah 43, 11 through 13. What does God say about this? What is God? God says, I, I am Yahweh and there is no other Savior but me. I alone declared, saved, and proclaimed and not some foreign God among you, so you are my witnesses. This is the Lord's declaration, and I am God. Also from today on, I love this, I am he alone, and none can deliver from my hand. I act, I act, and who can reverse it? Simple. 
I act. I am God. There are no other gods. Nobody causes me to act. I act. I choose. I move. God is not forced to do our will, which makes it, by the way, that sounds really mean until you realize he does things for us because he loves us, not because he owes us. See, the subtle thing is if God owes you, and that's the only reason he does things for you, what happens when you don't pay up? Conditional love, right? That's what it is. Pay up what? Just money? It can look like different things. Hey, if you don't give all your time to me at the church, that's okay. I mean, we'll see if God blesses you. So there's that. Hebrews 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, hmm, who has passed through the heavens. Who's the high priest? Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. You don't need an intermediary. You can go to the throne of God with boldness. It's not the high priest, these guys that are the co-heirs with Christ. It is you. Your big brother has made it so. Now before you say, well, that's not what they're saying, aren't they? You can't get a miracle unless you come through them. Or maybe you can. I guess they're not saying that. But the real miracles, guys, listen to me. Anytime someone puts themselves between God and you, there's a problem. I'll be honest with you, part of the reason I don't like a pastor sometimes, the term, is that's a terrifying thing. It is terrifying. You will never hear me. I shouldn't say never. I don't know if I ever have. But you will very rarely hear me say, the Lord told me to tell you. That's crazy. I don't know. I I have the Bible. I'll tell you what he said in the Bible. But here's the thing. What if I'm wrong? What if I'm standing in front of the throne telling you what to do using the authority of God? And it's the opposite of what God wants. I don't want to be the one to tell him that. Before we even start, this isn't even this in my notes, it's not, but this is important for you to know. You know, a lot of times we judge pastors by, um, I hear this all the time, kick that pastor out, he has sin, right? He's, I don't know, he's greedy or he had lust or he had a porn addiction or whatever and he can't be a pastor anymore, blah, 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 blah. You know what's funny? When you look in the book of 1 Timothy and you look, you know what the one thing that I see that is the most serious charge they actually discuss very specifically? They are preaching a false gospel. Did they repent of that? Nope, they're gone. You know what's wild is that God even says, listen, there might be a pastor that preached a false gospel. If he repents, I can still work with him. That's why these things are serious. Sometimes we spend all of our time looking at a, at a pastor's uh, search history on Google. And I'm not saying, by the way, it's not bad to be holy. It is and pure. But I'm saying when you're focused more on that than the teaching, and you judge a pastor's teaching not based on the Bible but based on his success, That's a scary thing. Or a teacher in general. Maybe they don't call themselves. Sometimes they call themselves apostles. Did you know that? I'm Apostle Bob. I'm serious. I'm not trying to mock them. Well, a little bit. But I wasn't. That's that's what they're saying. If somebody's got to tell you I'm a prophet or I'm an apostle, that's my first warning. Why don't you show me? Stay with me. These verses may not seem, but I think you guys are smart. They may not seem connected. I think you put it together. Acts 2.38. This is Peter 
Peter said to a group of people, repent, turn from your sin, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you, you, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty blunt. I don't really need to explain that, right? When you put your faith in Christ, guys, there is a supernatural thing that happens. You get sealed with the Holy Spirit. God himself comes inside of you to change you, guide you, lead you, counsel you. That's facts. I'm going to keep going with this. Romans 8.11 says this, and if the Spirit of him, by the way, pause. So all these miracles happen. Who do you think does the miracles? God, okay, I was tricking you. Okay, right? In the Bible, when we see all of the gifts given, who gives the gifts? How can people do the gifts? The Holy Spirit. If I claim that I can give you gifts, whose place am I taking? The Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? God. See how it all wraps back up? But here, so this is why I want you guys to hear this. Romans 8, 11. By the way, the anointing. Before I, I keep getting caught, I'll get so excited. I just want to tell you more. That's why the term anointing is so frustrating. Because Scripture talks about it in 1 John. It says, you've already been anointed with the Holy Spirit. It's already done. Here we see in uh, Romans 8, 11. If the, and if the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. It's just more proof that, listen, Jesus, your faith in Jesus has led to your filling of the Holy Spirit. Not a cloth, not my supernatural anointing. I can't pour it out like a cup of water. That's not reality. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. Listen, this verse I probably put in for a couple of reasons. One, the Spirit joins to help us in our weaknesses. That woman that's alone in that house that I gave you, this elderly woman who's maybe alone, depressed, struggling maybe through cancer, she, what help does she have? She always has help. God has promised her that he will be there. He will never leave her. I can't tell you how it's going to end. Actually, I can. She wins. And to make her focus on this life, when we've already been told that you're going to have trials and tribulations and struggles, is false. You make her feel alone when, she, when the Bible always says, no, 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 I'm always with you. And when you're hurting so bad that you can't even put it into words, I still hear you. I still understand. That's what it's saying. Because when we don't know what to pray as we should, have you ever been there? You're like, I know I need to pray. Raise your hand if you know you need to pray. You didn't know how to pray, what to say. That's what I'm talking about. That's what God, God is saying. Listen, even when you're so overwhelmed that you can't even put into words, I hear you, I see you, and I'm going to answer. I already have. What does that mean? I don't know. Why? Because I'm not the one who acts. God is. So what do we know just from these verses? One, God is God. There will be no other gods. God is the one who proclaims, I speak, not you. There's verse after verse that says that. You don't speak things into existence. I'm going to show you. Well, I've never thought that. I'm about to give you some quotes that I've heard people I know that believe in Jesus, that are good Christian people, that are awesome. I know they're disciples, but they have been led astray at times because they'll say things like this and they don't even realize what they're saying and how it affects their life. So we know what? God is God alone. I also like the fact that God says at the end of that's why I said I love this. He said, and from today, at the end of Isaiah, 
I on him on I am he alone, and none can deliver from my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? Hey, if he wants to bless you, it don't matter what Pastor Hobo Schmo says, okay? God's gonna do it. So we know that. We know we already have a high priest, Jesus Christ, who already has went for the Father for us, and we have access to the Holy of Holies. We don't need a high priest. We got one. We know that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that spiritual gifts are real, that God does do miraculous things, but it does not come from any cloth or any special guy's prayer. It comes through the Holy Spirit. That's the point of God, of Paul constantly talking about spiritual gifts. Even if you have a gift that's incredible, and I believe the gifts are still active, it's not you. It's God in you. You have been given that to, to benefit the body, to bless your friend, but also to point people to him. That's why I love that Paul says, be ambassadors of Christ. You're coming from the king, tell them about the king. Any authority you have has been given to you by the king. So, I don't, I'm not being angry, am I? See what I meant by the angry thing? I told you, I have that face. I just, I'm passionate. I love you guys. I love Jesus. Here we go. So, how do we recognize a healthy, wealthy, happy faith? I'm going to give you guys some ways, okay? And what I'm going to do is give you quotes of what that can look like. Deal? Make sense? That in, in real human language here, not that people would actually say. Number one, listen, if you have faith, God will bless you financially. All you got to do is plant a seed of faith. Tim, you need some money? We know you don't. But if you did, Tim, if you need some money, right, just plant that seed of faith. And God has to obey it. You notice that little subtle threat? That little subtle, like, God makes it happen. Like, God, once I do that, you owe me. I put the seed down. Give me an apple. Right? If you have faith, God, guys, you will hear that in churches. You don't have to be famous people. Listen, you want your life to turn around. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the, the heart of your faith can be shown in the amount of money you give. It can be shown in you giving. Your faith is shown in your generosity. But listen, because you give a 1000 and Bill can only give 10, that might be all Bill has. You got $500,000. That doesn't show your faith any more than anything else. Jesus talks about that, right? Number two, and this is, and I know people similar that have heard this. You aren't healed. We prayed for you. Hey, lame guy, we prayed for you and you don't walk? <sighs> That's your lack of faith. Don't you have faith? Your cancer wasn't cured. Don't you have faith? That's not God's fault, not my fault. It's you. I'm anointed. So who's the problem in the equation? Remember, if the equation is I do X, Y, Z, God does, or I do A, right? Me plus faith equals miracle. Well, who's wrong in the equation? They're not going to say it's God. It's you. It's your faith. That's wrong. And that puts weights on people's backs. Because we know that the Bible tells us we live in a sinful and flawed world in which there is disease and calamities and natural disasters. That's the effect of sin. And though God has his hand on us and God has promised to help us to get through it, right? He will never leave us or forsake us. We're not always protected from the consequences of this broken, sinful world. The promise comes that you win. This is not the end of the story. Guys, this isn't even, listen, if you're, a, if you're at the end of your life on that deathbed laying there, that's not even the, the halfway through the story. You ain't halfway through eternity, right? Number three, if 
you want that new car, you want that great marriage, you want that new job, you want that great life, all you got to do is name it and claim it in the name of the Lord. They'll add that at the end. That's the disclaimer. You want it? Name it and claim it. You want that? Dude, I could do it right now. Dude, you can tell I hang out with the young 20-somethings, right? I get excited to hang out with my guys. But listen, I could sit here right now and preach it pretty excited to you guys and make you get fired up. I could. You don't believe me, do you? I could. Right? You want to see it? I don't know if you want to see it. I can do it. Right? Listen, you want that new car? You want that great marriage? You want that new job? Listen to me. This is so important. All you got to do is say it. God has said that if you pray in his name, he'll give it to you. You want that million dollars? Pray for it now, and God will give it to you guys. I've seen it in my own life. My bank account was empty, and now I have money in it. I don't tell you how long it went between. And it all came because of my faith. You can have that. You're lonely. You want a girl? God's got her. She's right there behind the door. David, won't you just pray? Sorry, you got a wife. But you know what I'm saying. Listen, you just don't believe. Jesus said to those storms, be calm, and by golly, by the Holy Spirit in him, it was calm. You have the same access. Subtle. There's truth mixed with that. I'd be good at it, I think. Because you guys wouldn't think I was grumpy. You'd think I was excited. (laughs) I'm in the wrong line here, Tim. (laughs) Listen, number four. If you have the same power as Jesus Christ, you're a co-heir. I just kind of gave you a preview. You're just like him in every way. I don't go off. You have the power to tell that spirit of depression, that spirit of poverty, that spirit of illness to be gone, and it'll be blown by the wind of God. You see that clip before? See you later, COVID. Look it up. I'll blow the wind of God, and COVID's off the nation. Who blows it? I do. Hmm. See, and what happens is, but and I, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know their hearts. Maybe they believe this, but listen, I'm telling you, okay, uh, you have the power to tell that spirit of poverty, that spirit of illness. Already, I'm looking around, going, man, there's a spirit of my toe being sore. There's a spirit of my stuffy nose. Like I'm, I'm surrounded and mobbed right now by. I'm scared to death to go to bed at night, right? Because what if the spirit of apnea comes on me, right? And I can't breathe. I'm serious. I'm making, but it, it creates a lot of fear. However, let me, let me spin it for you. These things are real. Demonic things are real. We, you know, we battle not against flesh and blood, but get powers, principles, powers, principalities, authorities. We know that. But you hear what I'm saying? Listen, Bob, let's give him praise. Let's praise Bob because it was his faith that delivered that raise. Right? Or let's go the other way. If this terrible situation happened, your kid's sick, what's your sin issue? Hmm? God's trying to tell you something. You just don't have faith. Where's he trying to show that to you? You, believe, you don't believe me. I know someone close to me. This was told to his face. Your son has this issue, has this rash, this disease. It won't go away because of your lack of faith. That's a real thing. Number six. The power of life and death is in the tongue. You need to confidently tell God what you want and it will happen. By the way, what does the first part have to do with the second? Nothing. But they say it. Because, guess what, you ready? You ready for this? Because what they're saying is, if I say something good, good things happen. If I say bad things, bad things happen. So I can't tell you, like, man, be careful. I don't want to crash on the way out when it's, it's, it's icy out. I can't believe you just said You spoke death. And now death will happen. 
Again, I know people close to me that when I first got to know them, they said this confidently, and all I said was like, what are you talking about? And they ended up changing, and, and they'd been taught this. They were literally afraid to say certain things because if they said it wrong, it was going to happen. Imagine living in that kind of fear. Some of you might live there. You think, oh, man, I should have said, done that. Now God's going to strike me. And number seven. This one's the most obvious. Pastor slash apostle Joe Schmo will share his anointing with you. You can touch his anointing and claim its power for your own life. You can soak in this anointing. Would you donate a small amount so we can send this anointed item to you today? I want to give it to you. $10. Don't worry. $2 covers shipping and handling. I don't know about you guys, but math. Where'd the other eight go? Listen, I want to tell you some good news. Let me tell you why on the surface, see, sometimes when you do these things, good things happen. Do you want to know the allure of this? And this is deep, guys. Some of you, I hope you get this. It, asks, it actually, because humans by nature, many of you are very controlling. It's hard to trust God, isn't it? I know it is because some of you won't even like let me go out and drive your car, right? You won't like, if we're going somewhere, you always got to drive, right? Listen, here's the thing. It can be appealing because at the end of the day, some of you might like it because I'm still in control. There's an appeal to that. There's, it's nice to know, let's be real, everybody here, if you knew that God would give you what you want if you did this, and that was reality, you'd love that. Don't even say you wouldn't. Because we're human and we're flawed and we want what we want. And sometimes we don't know why God doesn't give us what we want. So if I could tell you, if you knew a way that you could get exactly what you wanted if you did X, Y, Z... That's very appealing. But there's a dark side to that. Because it's constant pressure. It's constant failings. It's constant wondering, did I do enough? You know, it's always your fault, isn't it? Because here's the crazy thing. No matter how much seed money you give, life still hurts. Life still has problems. Life still has uh, trials. And the promise, even if it isn't said, is that life will be good and easy and go the way you want if you name it and claim it, if you do, if you act. And that's the complete opposite of what Jesus said. He said, Jesus says, if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. That sounds crazy. I'm not telling you to go kill yourself. What I'm telling you to do is that idea that you know what's best, let it go. Let go of the stress and the worry and the anxiety of constantly thinking, if I do it better, then I'll be okay. And trust what God has already told you. Here's the good news. God said, when you are in him, if you put your faith in Jesus, you are his dearly beloved. You are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. Jesus himself said, I believe in John, the gospel of John chapter 14, he said, I will never let go of one of those you have given to me. I will never let you go. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what people say. I will never let you go. Come to me when you are beery, beery, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Lay it down. Crucify your flesh. Trust me. Surrender control. And in the surrendering, you will have peace, joy that you can't even fathom. Reverse the decision of Adam and Eve. Because that's what God said. Listen, you can do whatever you want, pretty much. I'm paraphrasing. He said, but let me be God. I'll tell you what good and evil is. No, we want to know. We want to decide. Let go of it. The good news is that God loves you. 
The good news is that even when life throws its curveballs at you, even when life comes with disease and injury and hurt and financial strain and relationship troubles, that doesn't change the fact that your place with God is forever sealed, forever uh, finished. It's over. You're saved. You know how it ends. And here's how it ends. You don't need to listen to false promises now that tell you that you won't be any, there won't be any crying or pain or death anymore. You can listen to the true promise that God has given us at the end of the story. It says this, I will wipe away every tear for there will be no more pain, dying, or death anymore, right? Because the old things have passed away. Behold, the new have come. That's the promise. Give me an eternity, an eternity of that over brief moments of what? Happiness that are contingent on my circumstances. And this is what I tell people, you know, Todd, you, 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 those that aren't believers, I have people in my life, you know, I wasn't raised in the church. If you're new here, my family, most of them are still not church. They would tell you they believe in God. Some of them, some of them would tell you they don't. And, but the reality is, is they're going to, you know, if they look at me like, Todd, you, you're not happier. You don't have money. You don't have everything you want. No, I don't. But when you compare my, my peace to your peace, something's different because I know how the story ends. I don't know how this chapter ends. That's terrifying because, guys, I'm, can I confess something to you? Yeah? I'm a controller. All right? Anything? Andy's like, yeah, you are. I am. I'm a controller. He's, it's true, though, right? If you're close to me, I'm a controller. I want to make, I, I'm a guy that wants to drive in the snowstorm. Okay? But the bottom line is, is that when I release that, when I say, no, God, I trust you, it's a daily thing for me. Sometimes it's an hour-by-hour hour thing. Guess what? You ready? The Bible says this, that peace that transcends understanding comes on you. That's the good news. You want to spend your life spending money for a prayer cloth that's saturated in some hobo's anointing? Or you want to live in the confidence, power, and authority that you can approach the throne with, with boldness? She's going to come play some music, and as she does, this time's called altar time. What does that mean? This is the altar. What do you mean, Todd? I mean this, that, you know, uh, in the uh, Jewish faith, Back in the time of Jesus, they had, you know, with the temple, they had what's called the Holy of Holies, right? And that's where God's presence was. And because man was so sinful, only a certain person could go back there. And that was after he made all the proper sacrifices and his life was in order. In fact, if you didn't know this, this is a crazy story. They would tie a rope to the high priest's foot so because he walked in. If he wasn't right, he would sometimes drop dead and they have to drag him out. And we were separated. And this is, this, if you've read the Bible and you always wonder what this is about, when Jesus died, the veil was torn in the temple. There's accounts of this, by the way, historically. Because God was symbolizing to us, no longer will I be separate from you. I will be with you. That's incredible. Guys, listen. God does not promise prosperity by the world's standards. It doesn't. God doesn't do that. In fact, he says kind of the opposite. He says, though we, uh, well, by the way, you'll have a better chance. You want to know that? A lot of God's wisdom, guys, I'll tell you the truth. I can tell you probably will have more money because God tells you to work. Right? God tells you to go to work. Where the world says don't. God says, listen, you want to eat? Go get, a, you know, work. God says, hey, you want to have a good life? Treat your spouse well. <laughs> right? Yeah, these are things that if we follow his teachings, we will have a better life. Not because we're sowing some sort of seed, but because he's telling us what's good and what isn't. God does not promise prosperity by the world's standards, but his promises are better. What he promises does not fade, 
It's not dependent on our human failings and weaknesses. It's not dependent on how much money you have, and it's not even dependent. You ready for this? This is crazy. It's not even dependent on the amount of faith. How do you measure faith? Sometimes faith is shown by that person that doesn't take that temptation, right? Doesn't give in to them to that temptation. Sometimes faith is saying, I'm going to go into my spouse's room when I know that they're upset, and I don't really want to, but God's told me not to let the sun go down on my anger. That's a step of faith. A step of faith for some is going into the jungles to preach the word of God. I don't want false promises of temporary happiness. I want to rest on truths that never change. Guys, here's my testimony. I just told you. I don't care if you believe. I kind of care if you believe me, but ask. I wasn't raised in the church. I don't get paid a bonus. I don't get seed faith money if you come to know Jesus. I am telling you this because my life is a living testimony to the transformation that comes when we put our faith in Jesus. Just had a buddy this week that, that donated. It's crazy. If he's watching, I love you, man. And he donated big time to our church. He lives in Colorado. And when he said, he said this to me, and I say, share it, he goes, Todd, I never in a million years would have said you were being a pastor. He said that. I have the text. I see you. He said that. And he goes, well, I don't mean that offensively, but I just never thought you would. I'm that guy. So if you're that person in the room that says, listen, this sounds good, but I could never be a Christian. Me too. It's real. So many times we follow these false teachings that lead to no real change, no real peace, no real joy, and it's because it's not the God of the Bible. And some of you are so mad at Christianity, but you're not really mad at Jesus. You're mad at the version somebody told you of who he is. Because I'm mad at that God, right? If that, that God, this false God that says, if I do enough, I get, well, why didn't you come through? That's not a real God. So here's the truth of the gospel. God did make everything, including me and you, and he made us perfect. And we were at peace and we walked with God. And he said, I made you to rule this earth in my name. And I'm going to walk with you. And we're going to have a relationship and everything's going to be great. But here's the thing. I have one rule. Only one. Did you know that? He only had one rule. And that rule was this. Let me be God. You just chill and be the creation. You let me tell you what good and evil is. That's, the, that's what the tree is. Because remember, they already knew what good was. Remember, I told you to pay attention to that. So the tree of good and evil, all they were really learning was what evil was. What is evil? Anything. Anything that is separated from God. That is contrary to God. And so what happened was our father and mother, well, I didn't do it. You do it. You do it every day. They rejected God. And because of that, sin entered the world. Sin's not just your bad actions, guys. The bad actions are a symptom of something inside of you. That's why you can't fix yourself. You keep trying to do this, and you keep trying to do that, and you keep trying to make everything better that if I read this book or I give up seed faith or if I go to this session or if I watch this video, if I do this, maybe I'll be less angry, less bitter, less sad, less lustful. Maybe I'll be this or that. You can't ever fix it though, right? Because as soon as you take uh, a pill for that symptom, another one pops up. That's because the reality is it's inside. Now, two things happen. All those bad things happen. But here's the other thing. We were separated eternally from God. It doesn't matter if you don't believe it. We are separated from God because a holy God cannot be in a relationship with something that's not holy. That's rational, right? Mud ball, snowball. Put them together. The snowball is not always, it's not white anymore. It's the same thing. 
God said, okay, you want your way? Enjoy life without me. And what happened over the past 10,000 years? Death, murder, war, disease. That's what happens when we do it our way. That's what happens when we say we are God. So God tried to make a point throughout history. He said, can you do these 10 things? Just 10. That's what he started with. you know that? And we failed him. And you fail him every day. You do. No, I don't. I didn't kill anyone. Well, Jesus said, listen, if you look at someone with anger, you might as well have killed them. If you look at that woman with lust, the only thing stopping you is opportunity. You've already done it. The point is not to make you hopeless. The point is to let you know how hopeless your situation is on your own. And here's the good news. This is why the gospel is called the good news. The good news is that God made a way for us to come home. He made a way to fix the inside first. And not only that, but he told us what to do, right? In the meantime, how to live. Don't kill each other. (laughs) Seems pretty reasonable, right? Be generous. All those things. So Jesus, God came down. That's who Jesus is. Jesus of Nazareth existed. He sounded like a good teacher. He didn't say that. He said, I am God. No one comes through the Father except through me. Period. So who is he? Liar or lunatic, the son of God. He's something. So this Jesus came, told us how to live, and then he did something incredible, guys. On the cross, you all know the story. He died on the cross. He died a horrible, painful death. But he also said something interesting. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because on the cross, he took your punishment, your penalty. He took what you owed, your sin. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. You deserve it. But the Bible also says that the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So Jesus died. He was raised from the dead on the third day. And this is what the Bible says. This is the part that's so awesome. You ready? You don't even have to clean up first. Well, Todd, I'm addicted. Todd, I'm in 12 relationships with 12 different people. Todd, I'm a drunk. Todd, I'm angry. Todd, I'm this. Todd, I'm that. It does not matter. This is what it says. Let me clean that up first. The Bible says this in Romans. If you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved so many of you have ran from God because you thought it was the other way around let me get cleaned up first but that's just putting yourself back in his place you just acknowledge repent that fancy word I said earlier that Peter said the apostle Peter repent just means God I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry that I haven't followed you I'm sorry I haven't done my way I put my trust in you and guys, take it from experience from the guy who is a horrible person, that he will start the greatest thing in your life. He will change you from the inside out. And you will have a peace that transcends understanding. Wherever you're at today, whether you just want to give God glory for what he's done for you, whether maybe you need to say, God, I've been teaching some crazy stuff myself. Or maybe you're in the room and you don't know Jesus. There are going to be people up here in the corners, in the shadows. It's going to look weird. They're here to pray for you. You know why? Because you don't know how sometimes. I didn't. If you're in the room and you you can't say 100% confidently, stay with me, that when you walk out here, that you have a faith in Jesus Christ, that Lord forbid a bus hits you and you know you get to, that you would be in heaven. If you can't say that, don't leave today. Do not leave today without making it right. They'll pray with you and for you. They'll teach you. You don't need them. They're not high priests, but sometimes we need to know someone's with us. We need to know how. You can do it at your chair. But sometimes for me, it took the effort of walking 40 feet to the front because that was laying down my pride. Whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you are choosing to.